You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a big CarCast episode for you today. We're going to check in with Goldberg to talk about wrestling The Undertaker. And our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com is going to come in and give us all kinds of updates on the Audi e-tron and some family vehicles. Before we get started, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Continental Belts. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, I'm not talking about French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the stuff that really kind of makes you wonder about folks. Well, another thing that'll make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And Continental is now launching their multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series of aftermarket belts. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belts, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to OETechnologySeries.com. And of course, we wouldn't be here without Dodge. It's Dodge Performance Days where we can celebrate speed, power, and performance, and the new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burnt rubber with Dodge Charger with its available best-in-class 485 horsepower. All right, let's get started right now. Hey, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and uh, I'm sitting in the studio again. Welcome back, Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Matt. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little bit. You were out having a baby. I was out having a baby. Thank you. She's adorable. Congratulations on that. Um, We have a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, we're also going to tell you that uh, we're going we're gonna to check in with Bill Goldberg as well. So a lot of you guys have known we've been uh, saying he was going to be going to Saudi Arabia doing a wrestling match, and uh, 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 a lot happened there. It, it, I don't think it went according to plan, and uh, he got a little hurt, and uh, Bill is uh, actually traveling again. He's okay. And he's traveling again, and he's uh, making his way through the airport. But uh, we're going to try to get him to call in for uh, for a few minutes to just give us an overview of that match. It sounded like um, it was a little bit brutal, and uh, I believe uh, well, we'll let him get into the details. But there was a lot of blood involved, mostly from his head, <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe it didn't go down as 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 the fans hoped, but... Uh, Do you know what, though, not- Matt? I mean, credit to him. He's, yeah. you know, he's the wrong side of 50. He's yeah. getting back in the ring against The Undertaker. He was never a great wrestler to start with. Uh, you know, I take my hat off to him. He, he got hurt. He continued. And, and there's a lot of chat on social, and some of that Bill stirred up, him, uh, stirred up himself. But, yeah. you, know, you know, hats off, really. Yeah, you know, it didn't... I tell you this. It didn't go the way he and Undertaker planned. Um, and he felt badly about that. Um, it was n- nobody's fault. Uh, uh, it just that's just the way it went down due to an injury. Um, and he sent out a tweet, you know, right away. And he's just like, "I I apologize. Not the not the show we hope to put on." And uh, uh, but you know, it that's the way it goes. And it does kind of speak to that profession or that form of entertainment because a lot of people always say well it's fake or whatever it's whatever it's not 
choreographed. This isn't Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible yeah. where they rehearse nine times in slow motion. And it's not that. You know, the moves are still still real and an outcome is sort of determined ahead of time. I'll tell you this. Go to a gym, find if they make it, a two hundred and sixty pound medicine ball yeah. and See if you can move it one time, and then if you can, see if you can move it for seven and a half well, minutes. It's kind of like picking me up and you together and yes. throwing, us over, throwing both one, of us over one the on shoulder. Each right? Arm, right? One on each arm. Uh, it, would be, it would be fantastic. Yeah. So these guys are big, and it's, it's difficult, and it's all about uh, – like you and I were talking a minute ago. It's all about how you take the blow. It's not about how you hit somebody. It's how they take it. It's a dance that has to be done correctly between both people. And if you don't do it correctly, that's when people get hurt. It's like a lot of professional sport. When I grew up playing playing rugby and I was hopeless, but that was the same thing. You know, you get hit by a guy who's who's three hundred pounds running at twenty miles an hour. You've got to know how to take how to how to roll with it. And <laughs> yeah. going back to the sport thing, I mean, you know, I've I, I've raced a fair bit, and you know, some days you storm through the field and and, and win or yeah. nearly win or whatever it may be, and 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 you feel like a hero. Other days, you you know, you get taken out at corner one, and I guess what happens sounds like you know. They had a bit of a spin out on the and uh, on the second. He corner. got taken out at corner one, especially yeah. what he did. He did it to himself, and uh, uh, that it's it's a game it's a game changer. It's so, a Sebastian uh, Vettel moment from the weekend. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. So uh, hopefully we can get him, and uh, we'll we'll check in. And uh, it's good to see you again. We got Chris in the booth over here, and when he gets a chance, he's going to flick on our monitor so we can see what the hell's going on <laughs> with our timers and stuff. Um, working with pros yeah working, uh, it's morning <laughs> yeah, that's how it works um, uh, so what's going on what's what's going on with new with you there's uh, you've been out um, I uh, congratulations again on the baby but you've thank you um, but I've seen you keep popping up you're in like good morning America was it good morning America it was good morning America good yeah. morning America you were selling minivans <laughs> pretty much it was uh, a great experience actually we launched our best family cars and this was all. Here about- you are, like two weeks into being a dad, and you're on you're on morning uh, TV talking about family vehicles. I'm name checking my daughter <laughs> to the nation. Yeah, it was a strange thing because actually we pitched the idea. We one of the big challenges we have now is just, you know so many hun- literally hundreds of vehicles now, and a lot of people say, "Oh, what's the best for my family?" And this is what my needs are. And beyond a lot of like the enthusiast thing that you and I talk about all, all the time, you know, there are people. There's a real need for sensible, practical, useful transport. Yeah. So we distill that down into eight different uh, choices, everything from you know from budget options through to through to luxury and from minivans to SUVs, and and we we pitched at Good Morning America. We said this is what we've got, and you know here's Alistair, he's a, he's a new dad, so it's in context, and, yeah. And then we all headed off to New York, and we we're on the show, and it's an amazing it's an amazing production. Four hundred people work on Good Morning America. My gosh. You turn up at five o'clock in the morning, you do rehearsals with directors, producers, sound guys, and. So all in the same day. They don't rehearse the night before out in the middle of the street. And no, it's all. It, it's yeah. the same day. So you get to get there about half four in the morning. Five o'clock you do rehearsal. Eight o'clock you on air. The only the strange thing is you only meet the presenter like ten seconds before you're into it. Yeah. It's all live. Yeah, that's There's, how we do that here. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three different cameras, jib arms, cars, lots of yeah. lots of stuff going on. But I really enjoyed it, and it was a great. You know, you're talking to a big audience and hopefully sensible. 
you know, sensible, practical advice, and people have responded responded really well to it. And you know, great experience. We're there in the middle of Times Square with people kind of shouting, and yeah. I had the hair and makeup guy. You don't have hair and makeup here either. No. Hair and makeup guy came out, and 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 somebody else was shouting from the crowd. You look great, sir. You look great, and it's good. It's fun. Now, what what vehicles did you bring out there? So on set, um, this is actually parked in the middle of Times Square. We had uh, Kia Telluride, which is this new three row um, SUV. SUV from Kia, which is which is a really great. You know, sometimes just brands just come out with a a vehicle and you just go, you absolutely nailed it. I think that's one of them. Now, we could potentially see a a fancied up version, a Genesis version of that. Uh, Well, Genesis is a honey. So so Kia makes Telluride and then Hyundai makes the Palisade. Which is basically the pretty much the same same vehicle. I don't think we'll see a Genesis. I just don't think that's where they're at. I think they're going down a more more sort of sporty route. Okay. But to be honest, even with the Kia, you spec that up, you can get you know diamond quilted leather. I know mm-hmm. you can't have a luxury car without diamond quilted leather. Yeah. Um, and lots of lots of tricks and toys. And by the time you get it, you get an upper spec model. It's as good as a luxury car. And I was talking to guys at Kia. So you know you get a lot of people coming out of BMWs and stuff into this because it's just. A really good product. Then we had the Honda Odyssey. And what's the cost, though? What's the time? Oh, from mid thirties to what? Uh, can you spend sixty on it? No, you can spend not? close to fifty. Okay, well that's not bad if you're getting, yeah. you know, if you're getting diamond stitch or you know, yeah. diamond stitch interior and it's pretty good quality. If it's got a decent engine and good lease deals, and you know, away you go. three row. Yeah, you fit fit everybody in there. If you want to, I mean, it's a big vehicle. But if you want a good, sensible family car? That's fantastic. Honda Odyssey, the minivan. Yeah, I was yeah. fogging minivans. Um, yeah. Honda Odyssey has sort of been the staple of family minivans, whereas the Dodge Caravan is like the go-to for filming crews. Yeah, <laughs> it's like every like the, because every every jig that the camera guy has like works with the attachment points of a yeah. Dodge Caravan. We've got a Chrysler Pacific about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, same same thing. And it's just, that's the filming crew go-to minivan, and they love that thing. But the Honda Honda's probably got like a bunch of Honda seems savvy enough to like. We're going to focus on things like, you know, where do you put all the little bits and pieces for kids? You know, like where yeah. do you put snacks and where do you put drinks and juice boxes and, and how do you plug things in? And It's you know. got a vacuum cleaner built into it, which is cool. <laughs> uh, and the rear, the second row seats actually slide not just backwards and forwards, but also left and right. So if you've got a baby, you can kind of reach around and attend oh, yeah. to them and stuff. So, again, it's this really, really clever thing. I mean, minivans have a terrible image, but you can see why people buy them and uh, and why they work. It's funny. I, again, we were talking off air, but I had a – a Jeep Trackhawk for the weekend. Yeah. No, you went super family vehicle. And I was thinking, this is the, it happened to be three on test. And I said to the guys, look, I might, I need to take my, my other half, uh, Elia and, and her brother and, uh, and, and his girlfriend were in town. I said, okay, family vehicle, but we can have some fun. We'll go cruise LA. And you suddenly realize that like your life has changed because every time I tickled the throttle away, every time you know, I gave more than 10, 10% apart, I got, yeah. I got yelled at from the back seat. Yeah. Uh, all the, all weekend, it was, this is noisy. This is uncomfortable. And, and I was thinking I'd nailed it. Yeah. Uh, I would have made the same choice. Yeah. Because when you when you kick them all out to the curb and tell them to go get a hamburger and <laughs> you get to throw that thing around the canyons like a sports car, it is so much fun. When you get to make it make noise and, I, and test the big brakes, it's fun. I was surprised actually for something that's – you know, the Grand Cherokee is an old vehicle and with 707 horsepower. And I was surprised actually how good, how good it is. Right. It does eat fuel. Yeah. Like and, 10. Well, maybe not when you're driving it. You can't go more than 10%. Well, I tell you throttle. what, using 10% <laughs> throttle, cruising around Malibu, sitting yeah. mainly in traffic, 11 miles to the gallon. 
Okay. I think as soon as you start using it, you're single figures. Yeah, you're um, eight, nine when I was driving yeah. it, something like that. The, the question would be, I'm with you that I don't imagine that the rear seats are as comfortable. I think the way that suspension is to make that thing handle, that it's going to be a little tight in the back. Yeah, and the, uh, and the people getting sick, and it was a disaster, really. Yeah. I'm not a very I was good thinking back like, seat driver. But I was thinking, like, you know, baby seats are actually almost like race seats, so I thought, you know. I well, you know, I think it's good that from an early age get used to lateral G, the sound of a V eight yeah. supercharger. I think you know, I'm into a lot of sort of subliminal, subliminal messaging. So I bought her a little Porsche steering wheel rattle, which, which uh, I saw there. that she's saw got that. a little. Um, Does she have a little Recaro? Uh, by the way, that baby seat, that Recaro one's not. not no, Recaro stopped making baby seats. Oh, good. I, I was, was all expensive. for that. I was all for that. <laughs> that thing's um, expensive. You'd have to make some calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they they've pulled out, but we've got a little eat, sleep, drive, little little baby thing. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're going to town on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that works out. That works out good. I know a lot of sports fans were like, "Let's just get footballs and soccer balls and everything they play with is going to be some sort of sports ball." Yeah. Shocking, really. Isn't <laughs> yeah. <it? laughs> um. All right, so so you're saying uh, Trackhawk, not the best family Not call. the best family choice. A Honda Odyssey, uh, Kia Telluride, Volvo XC60 is the other one. Uh, lots of great – I mean, Honda Accord, again, on, on the sedan front. Lots of, um, lots of great, sensible choices. And it's interesting. We were talking – started talking about family cars and people said, oh, this will come up with a different list to what, you, what your normal Edmunds rankings is. And the reality is it doesn't because when we test cars, we test them as how they're going to be used. So if we're testing, uh, you know, a Hurricane as we were last week, then you test it as a Exotica. If you're testing a CRV, then you're thinking about this as a family vehicle bought by people who need to carry stuff and children, and you know, are going to use this every day as a workhorse. So you're always kind of adjusting your mindset. And and although most people on the team, well, pretty much all of us on the team are enthusiasts, we very much have to kind of leave that. You know, you kind of leave that in the car park below the office and, and, and adopt a kind of consumer mindset as to, you know, assessing a car for what its end uses. But the, the the family car market seems like it has more sub-markets to it. Like if you're shopping for a sports car, other than price differences, you, you, you kind of know what you're getting. You're going to buy, you know, a supercar. You're going to buy whatever, $50,000. You're going to buy the Camaro Mustang Challenger kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe Supra in there now. Uh, but the the family car market is you have an SUV, you have a sedan, you have a minivan, and you have various sizes of all of those things. How do you start to break down? Do you do a lot of comparisons between an Odyssey and a Telluride? Do you do a lot of SUV versus minivan for the family? Or do you do, here's three minivans, what's the best? It's a tough call. I think what you do, if you look at the way our rankings work, is, is basically subdivide into categories. So you're always comparing apples to apples. But you're right that, as I said at the beginning of the show, the biggest problem today is choice. Yeah. And how do you distill that down into something meaningful? Because if you just come at it completely blind and, and, and just sort of attack them, how do you know? And that's what, really why, why we exist is to say, okay, here's the market, all these vehicles, this is what we recommend and, and this is what we, we, we would advise you go with. And then within that, obviously, there's other choices and that sort of thing. But we're kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying right now for families, these are the best choices. Okay. Let's uh, let's do this. I'm going to tell you guys about Dodge and Chris is going to give Bill a call and we're going to chat with him for a few minutes. Uh, 
You know, check this out, as you guys have heard us say before. There's no better time to celebrate speed, power, and performance than during Dodge Performance Days. So hurry in and replace the new car smell with the scent of burnt rubber. Ooh. Oh, lovely. Yes. That's, uh, that's going to be your, uh, your Odyssey ad as well at some point. <laughs> um, I want to uh, I want to get into some uh, a couple of other things when uh, in a minute once we uh, chat a little bit about wrestling as well. But I kind of want to talk a little about the state of the automotive industry. There was a couple of things uh, on my mind: um, uh, big tie-ups and partnerships and BMW and Subaru and, and things like that. So, uh, uh, hello. Hello, hello. Hey, buddy. How are you? We got Alistair Weaver in the studio with us, and we're chatting. Uh, we're chatting a little bit of uh, everything cars, but we wanted to check in with you. And first of all, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, it's, uh, it takes a lot more than me to drop in my head to uh, <clears throat> to kill me. So, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm actually, getting on a flight right now, headed to Charlotte. For a little bit of NASCAR stuff. Okay, well, sounds great. Um, we can we can hear that you're in the airport, so we won't take too much of your time. But, uh, Alistair, we're, we're we're talking about this at the top of the show about uh, you know how even in the racing car world, things don't go the way you hope them. It, things don't always go according to plan. And if you you can be in two laps into it, and uh, I, I, you know somebody hits you, some damage to your, to your car, and you're not out of the race, but you're kind of got a bum wing the whole time. And for, for those who... Great analogy. I, I like the way you guys uh, <laughs> uh, eloquated that in the automobile world. But yeah, you know, it's basically... Mine is not like kind of... <clears throat> Mine was basically losing an engine uh, and trying to compete in the entire race against the top contenders, and uh, it's just I'm running on I'm running a twelve cylinder, and I'm running on two of them. <laughs> uh, that's that's basically the analogy I can give you, uh, or that you know my car was stuck in autopilot, and I only had two cylinders. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I really don't remember. I don't. I don't. Remember, I don't really remember anything past uh, the turnbuckle thing. So, okay, so let's talk um, about that. So uh, there's there's a lot of people listening that didn't get a chance to see the match and uh, uh, the YouTube videos. The WWE dot uh, com recap didn't show too much, and on Monday Night Raw they didn't show too much. So people that didn't get a chance to see it. Tell us quickly, kind of walk us through it. What happened? You versus the Undertaker. You guys meet in the center of the ring. Go from there. Meet in the center of the ring. Uh, punches me in the face. I come off of the of the ropes and cut him in half. Then I go cut him in half again, and and he kind of moves. And uh, you know, I hit the turnbuckle at the force of Goldberg usually hitting the turnbuckle. <laughs> and unfortunately, the uh, turnbuckles have changed since I was there. They're they're twice as uh, they're they're not as deep as they were. So I didn't have say two feet. I only had one foot. So to play with, and then the construction of it was completely different. It, let's just be perfectly honest. I have no excuses. I, I screwed up, and uh, my only downfall is that um, you know I'd like to continue to try to do the best that I can do in any situation put forward and put in front of me, and you know. 
I guarantee you that uh, there are a lot lesser people that would have uh, crabbed up like a little baby and would have given up. But, you know, I had a job to do, and I had a lot of people counting on me. And, uh, you know, as far as the performer is concerned, I don't care if I'm 52 or 22. I still think that I can do it. And, you know, that has, still hasn't changed since the incident we had in, in Saudi Arabia. It was just unfortunate set of circumstances that led to what happened. And so... Um, so you go in for you know, a spear, it was, it was and you you go in for the spear, you hit the pole, it's part of what you've done before, but a little mathematical uh, you know, miscalculation, you hit your head on the pole, you, you, you bust yourself open, you basically knock yourself out for a second, and, and this is at the beginning of the match, and so now you've got to finish and try to stay conscious and... While you're bleeding out of your out of your melon, over three hundred pounds, six foot ten guy, right um, now, and, and not get dropped on my head. You know, there's so many things taken into consideration that on autopilot you just can't do. Bill, can you and, did, can you tell the guy okay, in that situation? Did you sort of exp, did you have any communication in the ring as to say, look, look, mate, this is, this has happened to me. You know, can you not drop me on my yeah, head? Here's, well, the here's blood the coming out of his head. The communication. Yeah. Is, is truly, at the end of the day, it's a dance, and you're there to secure the safety of your partner, no matter how the outcome is supposed to be. And the referee checks in with you periodically. He checked in with me a new, number of times. But unfortunately, you know, I'm the kind of guy that gave him a different answer every single time, you know, because I felt like I could do it. Then one second, I didn't think I could do it. And so I eloquated that to him each and every time that he'd asked me. And so what's he to do? He, he can't right. stop the match. He's a, he, you know, um, they this wanted to deal. carry me off on a freaking stretcher, and I won't yeah. let him do that. Uh, so, you know, it's just it's the football player mentality. It's not the wrestler mentality. It's the football player mentality. And, you know, there, there, there are few and far between people that still have that mentality, and unfortunately sometimes it's not only a blessing, but it's a curse. I have and, to say that, know, Bill. If, I mean, if, you if know. If nothing else, I, I just I tried to do my job, and I fell short. So, you know, I have to say, though, Bill, I mean, I, I take my hat off to you. I mean, we were talking about this before we came on air. You know, you're the, you're the wrong side of 50. You've gone in there. You know, you've got a big audience watching you. You've carried on. I mean, so I salute you. I think you did an amazing – I think, you know, things happen in life, and I think you did an amazing job for, for, for giving it everything. Well, I greatly appreciate that. And the people that I care about and that truly care about me are the only ones that I have uh, – that I, I, I really trust their opinions. And so Alistair and uh, – you know, Matt, I appreciate it, dude, very much, guys. And uh, like I said, I, I feel like I left, uh, you know, I let a lot of people let a lot of people down. But, you know, that's just the, the warrior mentality. So hopefully I get an opportunity to cut him in half and uh, leave him in the middle of the ring bleeding one more time. But if that doesn't happen, then I'm cool with, you know, hanging my boots up, man, because I have nothing to – I don't really have anything to – you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a dichotomy. You know, you, you can't look at your your career in an, in its entirety in one match. Though you're only as good as your last performance. Well, so I mean, there like, are a lot of cliches here. But. Like you were saying, Alistair was saying that the the fact that you you did continue uh, and and try to do the best show that you possibly could. And look, I, I'm a fan of Undertaker. Um, you've spoke highly about him. Uh, always been a fan. Liked him. I always thought he was just a great performer, a great presence, a great character that he has. But I'll be honest with you, I just, I just never saw Undertaker as, as 
you know, he's not a Brock Lesnar in that he he can't throw you around. No, that's the problem. And and as much as I love Taker, that was the problem. And you and you and I think the smart fans saw that, and will see that in looking back at it. And it was just unfortunate that in his stage in his career, he couldn't make up the difference. Um, because it just is what it is, you know. Like all of those moves, and you pointed, you you sort of pointed it out or alluded to it earlier. Is all of these moves are a partnership? It's a dance that has to. You need two good partners. So it's it's not about hitting somebody. It's about how they take that hit or how they take that move. And if you can't take it correctly, that's when people get hurt. So anytime there's a, a tombstone, a pile driver, a spear, or anything, it's how that person takes that hit. And if they can't, if they can't, if if you're not essentially jumping into Taker's arms for a move, he can't move you on his own. And uh, and it's it's uh, tough. You said that, and I didn't. I'll never say that, but that's it's true. It's truly the case, and I would never take anything away from his ability. It's just it was unfortunate that under those circumstances it couldn't be made up for. This is not me picking on Undertaker. This is me saying this is all of professional wrestling. You need two fully capable people in the ring to put on the best show. And uh, from what I understand, Taker did as much as he could to continue with this show. You both did. But uh, uh, it was was a tough gig. And then at the end, uh, you just kind of... Your body couldn't take it anymore. You just collapsed or passed out or something, right? Uh, yeah, kind of like a just, <clears throat> just call it like a domino effect. I just kept going and going and going, and I didn't. I just my 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 balance was off immediately once once I felt the blood coming down. Um, I immediately kind of lost. I didn't lose consciousness ever. Okay, I just good. lost my equilibrium. Yeah. I just I was completely off balance, and you know to try to. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm gonna do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> this um, is what happens when Cobra's at an airport. <laughs> and NFL Hall of Famer, and I'm on my podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, um, so you know, it was. Uh, I don't even know where I was, man. I'm I'm sorry. I That's all right. Okay, I'm, we're gonna let you go. But have you had a chance to speak with Undertaker since? I have not. I have not. You know, again, I would, if I, I did, and when I do get the opportunity, I'll just apologize that I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, you know? So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Arr. All right. That's your message to Taker if he's listening, because I'm. He's probably listening to the car cast all the time. So, <laughs> so, so before, you, before you let me go, I just have to tell you again why I'm part of this podcast, okay? So I feel... I feel sorry for myself for a short period of time, as any human would. I get home, I jump in my red eye. Yeah. <clears throat> I stomp the throttle, and I try to burn the tires completely off of the car. <laughs> it didn't take nearly, it took way too long. So it put a smile on my face, but it took too long to accomplish my goal. So yeah. I picked up the phone, and I called Dave from Speedcore, and so now the Charger, as you saw on Instagram, is going under a transformation that the challenger would only wish to undergo. So 
what we saw him do to the challenge is one thing, but what you're going to see when I get this charger back is going to be a car that when I step on the throttle, the freaking ground is going to shake. So, <laughs> so all I'm saying is the only thing that's made me happy is jumping in my vehicles, talking about this new car, talking about new things to do. So, hey, man, thank God for the car world. Uh, so basically, it's the ultimate stress doll. That's it, right? 700 yeah. horsepower stress reliever doesn't cut it. Let's make it 950 and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We're going not a chance. Uh, if it's going to be... It's, it's going to be anything. It's going to be twelve hundred horsepower because we're <laughs> wink, 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 wink. We're starting with a demon, demon underside of this thing. Yeah, and okay. we're going, we're going somewhere where people aren't going to be able to reach us for at least a year. So mark my words when when it comes out, it's going to be terrifying, and that's what I want. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Uh, safe travels. I'm glad you're feeling okay. Uh, if you give, uh, if you get a chance to talk to Undertaker, text or phone call, tell them that uh, you know we still love what you guys did, and we're such big fans, especially all of us over here. So, um, uh, good job, guys. Yeah, can't thank you enough, gentlemen. I, I love you and I appreciate it very much. And uh, Heidi Ho, I'm going off to see Ray Abraham and uh, drum up a little NASCAR movie. So we'll talk about that on the next one. Sounds good. Sounds Thanks, good. man. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. Bye. Be well, John. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, and I, we apologize. He's in the airport, so that's why we wanted to not leave him on the phone the whole time. He has to catch a plane. But you see, when I grew up in the UK, wrestling was like a thing uh, on a, yeah. on a Saturday lunchtime. But the guys were massively overweight, like sumo wrestlers. Like a guy called, if you ever look, Google it, it's called Big Daddy and uh, Giant Haystacks. And these yeah, guys yeah. were like sumo wrestlers that were big kind of leotards and. Uh, Big Daddy's real name was Shirley Crabtree, but that was what wrestling was. And suddenly <laughs> wow. in the US, it all takes off, and they look like Bill. Uh, but the, yeah, these guys would kind of like belly flop around the, you know, around the around the ring and, and bounce off each other, and, and then suddenly it became about these like uber athletes. Yeah, there was a day of that too, and uh, let, we'll, we'll get more car stuff. But I will tell you this: that nobody's more dedicated to bringing his A game in the ring than Bill. And and he's when he wrestled before. There's countless times, even recently where he is injured the whole time, like tore a shoulder or tore whatever and just keeps going. And it's just, and, and six months of training and, and just trying to rehab it. And he's like, there's nothing I can do about it now. It's going to be painful. But in three months when this, this stint is over, then I'll worry about it. Like nobody. And, and I can tell you, um, He's absolutely sincere when he is disappointed. He didn't be able to bring the show like he wanted to bring the show. So um, it would not surprise me. But the difference is when you and I screw up, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. two people hear about it. Yeah, when, two when people Bill's, hear about you know, it. When yeah. things go wrong for Bill, it's like. Well, first of all, yeah. First of all, he's he's in Saudi Arabia. The entire country is yeah. watching over there and they're having a great time. Um, but I I think if you would have asked him two weeks ago, is this your last match? He'd say yes. I don't need to do this anymore. Um, but this is I want to do this with Undertaker, and I think it'd be great. I think if you asked him now, despite the pain he's in, he would say he didn't he didn't end where he wanted to end. Yeah, I think he's I I think he's got one but more. That's the boxer mentality, that's, isn't it? That's the thing, right? That's the thing. I think if you asked his wife if he should go in the ring yeah. again, she would say, "I think we're." I think we're done with that. We don't need to do that. But uh, poor Wanda, she was a stunt woman. She's been down this road before, stunt driver, stunt action person. So she can, you know, 
Listen, I, I her messages were were you know on, on social media. She's like, "Thanks for everybody reaching out. Bill's fine. Uh, seven stitches in the head, another scar. We've seen this before. We both got them. We're good." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, it's good. It's a family affair. You got to go on the journey together, haven't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, you got to go on the journey together." But um, uh, anyway. Good luck to him, and, and hopefully his, his melon is in good shape because he's catching on a plane. I don't want that thing to explode. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. But um, anyway, so I wanted to touch on this. Um, uh, so much going on in the car world. We've got, I don't know, like it seems like the cars we're getting are, are good. The cars, like everybody has to make something good now. We couldn't, We can't live in this time where like GM is like yeah. – Oh, we've got seven really good vehicles and 12 terrible vehicles, but the seven are profitable enough that we can move on. Like, everything needs to be pretty good. And now we need to get these mashups of of partnerships. This part I do like. Ford and GM team up on a 10-speed transmission, right? And 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 Toyota and BMW are going to like, let's, you know, let's make two fairly different cars, but let's, you know, let's team up a little bit on that, right? And now we're hearing... Renault and Nissan and and FCA, Fiat Chrysler of America, like whatever the parent company is, all sort of teaming up on some things. Uh, what's this is good? Is it good or is it out of desperation? And can car companies afford to make mistakes? You know, like you guys are driving the e-tron. We'll get into the e-tron yeah. specifically. And it was like, great, Audi's electric vehicle. It's out. There's a handful. It's recalled already. I've got, I've got an interesting, uh, <laughs> some interesting stats about the e-tron, but we'll get on. Can get on to that at the moment. I guess my answer to that is it's kind of both. In as much that, take the Supra for example. Yeah. There's been a huge amount of tension. We've just driven it. We think it's a good car. It's it's fun. It's fifty thousand dollars isn't affordable in, in a true sense, but it but compared, know, to, compared to the 911, grand. everything's pretty yeah, expensive. Yeah. You know, you can get a, so, a Mustang Bullet's fifty grand for sure. Um, you know, the Supra does not exist without a partnership with BMW. And you can kind of agonize about is it a true, you know, is it truly Japanese? Does it have this? Is it, you know, true part of the lineage? The reality is that car, there's no business case for Toyota just saying we're going to build this from scratch. So it doesn't happen. But actually, they partner with BMW. They share a lot of the good bits. They can engineer enough themselves. So then it starts to make, it starts to make sense. They obviously did the same with the 86 and Subaru. So for things like that, there'd be less sports cars in the world if these sort of things didn't happen. And on a business level, the problem is with this industry, it is just too expensive. It's so expensive to develop. And, and at the moment, we're in this real sort of paradigm shift as, as technology changes, not only in terms of the propulsion systems. I mean, if you think you go back to the beginning of the 20th century and the whole thing about going from steam to to, to gasoline, and, and then since then, there's been no real change. Now, everybody's investing like crazy in electrification, and at the same time, you're investing hugely in um, autonomous. And I, I went to, to Munich to see BMW, and they were showing me their autonomous, uh, how much money was going into it, and how much data they're creating. And I kind of looked, and I thought, you know, this is nuts, because up the road, Mercedes is doing the same thing, and up the road, you know, so is the Volkswagen Group. And you're all really just connecting data, and autonomous isn't really a big brand differentiator. So, right. so uh, there are definitely times where it just makes sense to share. And we've seen with Porsche, for example, how you know the e-tron, uh, sorry, the, not the e-tron, the um, Mission E or the Taycan as it is now, yeah. that exists because Porsche's got access to the Volkswagen Group's technology. So there's a lot of good things about it, but but there's also a bit of desperation. If you look at what I mean, Ford announced last week they were shutting an engine plant in Wales. GM's been laying off a load of people across the world. Car manufacturers have been shedding people, and that's really tough on 
on everybody involved in, in, in the industry. But a lot of it is just this big, big period of transition. And, and the Renault thing was interesting. Fiat, so without getting into this sort of deeply into the nuts and bolts of it, but FCA, which is Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, which is all the Fiat brands plus all the, the Jeep and Dodge and everything else brands, they want to get together with Renault. But then Renault is, I think, 12% owned by Nissan, which is also part of alliance with Mitsubishi. But the big deal here was that Renault was also largely controlled by the French state. So kind of business malls go out the window and suddenly we've got a political situation. And what seems to have happened here is the politics has got involved in the business. Yeah. And the French have basically said, ah, none. So uh, they don't uh, want to do it. And, and but, but why, why, are, why is government involved in car companies? Because it's, they own it. Because – but – because of bailouts and stuff, like yeah, they mean, all this, had a, they, this everybody is, needed money, and the government was like, "Well, we don't want everybody to lose their jobs, so now we all own pieces of your company." There's a bit of, I mean, the historical. I mean, the state has had a, a big share of Renault for, for for a long, long time, and and that's just been a just a function of the company. But it but it does change the the, the dynamics, and then the and it's all politics and nationalism and everything else. And the and the problem is none of these companies or. A lot of these companies are struggling to be big enough. If you look at it on a global sense, Honda isn't actually so big when you look at it in a global level. BMW, yeah. even with Mini and Rolls-Royce, it's still pretty pretty small. Yeah. Um, and, you know, European market, incredibly difficult to make money in. China has had a bit of an implosion. You look at Jaguar Land Rover, they've had, what, a $3.5 billion write-down this year. A yeah. lot of that's to do with the fact that they've been hit by diesel market imploding, China market imploding. Um, and then Brexit and all that uncertainty. So you right. got like a triple whammy. And, so they had a terrible BMW place. mentioned. I th- did I read this correctly? BMW took like a a quarter loss the first time in I don't know a billion years. <laughs> like they actually lost something. I don't know. I don't know if that's because they reinvested so much into some other new technology or, or sales are down or, or, or what. But it's just a tough market of real transition. And a lot of people are saying, well, we need to team up with each other to. To make this work, but it's uh, it's difficult to see where they all, you know, how it all shakes out in the end. And people are saying, well, there's other entrants coming into the market. I mean, we've seen Tesla. I mean, Tesla. You know, there was this time, and it still is, where Tesla vies for market, you know, for market value with with Ford, which on the face of it seems mad. But yeah, uh, there's, there's there's all sorts of nonsense going on yeah. in the world, and it will be the next ten years are going to be fascinating. Yeah, but you know, like you. You brought it up to clarify things. It comes down to we need – forget the, the politics of it and the stock prices of it. But if you want a Toyota Supra, you need a partnership to do it. Otherwise, you either don't get the car or that car is $80,000. Yeah, or, right? or like, Toyota has just to decide that you do it for, for purely for marketing reasons. Yeah. Um, and – and, just and, and that financially doesn't make work. sense for them because everybody's no. everybody's looking at their dollars and they, they – it doesn't make sense to just do it for marketing now. No, and for BMW, they get to share as well. So it, it just, yeah, it just stacks up for them. Um, and so as enthusiasts, do we get more choice and more options because of these partnerships? Yeah, we do. And actually, if you get better technology that works, because you've got economies of scale and the Volkswagen Group, and we talk, go on to the e-tron because there's, there's some interesting sharing there. And, you know, who cares whether the, the bit, the air conditioning bit, so not the touchy-feely switch that you see in front of you, but the the actual gadget behind that. All you care about is cold air, right? If you put 70 degrees, you just want your car at 70 degrees. degrees. (laughs) So whether whether the gadget behind it is shared between the the Audi and the Volkswagen and the Porsche, who cares? Right, except when we're all using the same airbag. 
Right. Well, I'd rather an airbag that works. <laughs> well, does it? I don't want to get back in the bill situation. You know? yeah, so. yeah. I, I mean, because we have the Takata thing where everyone was sourcing this from one company, the same airbag, and the airbag is 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 crap. And then now we're stuck with millions and millions of the same airbag. This isn't quite it, the same. Like GM and Ford partnering up on a 10-speed transmission yeah. allows them to get a lot more transmissions built and to test and make them affordable. This isn't quite the same but the, the other thing is to behind the scenes behind the kind of brand when you look at what actually goes into a modern car so much of it is is third party suppliers anyway brakes yeah. from brembo tires from yeah. pirelli etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know there's already been a massive amounts of sharing of technology and parts just through the supply chain bosch and all those kind of people delphi there there's these huge brands that you've never heard of which are actually supplying so much of the Ricardo, so much of the the, the industry, and it, it's interesting that you you mentioned that because that's that's an obstacle in building these cars to begin with. Um, I just went to uh, you know what the like the launch or the press event for the new Lexus RX. Yeah, you know they're uh, they're they're midsize SUV. It's probably the best selling vehicle in their entire lineup. It's the biggest selling, one of the biggest selling SUVs in America. In fact. And um, it's, uh, luxury, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of it. And they made some, I think we talked about it last week. Uh, Brad and I, uh, Brad Fancher and I talked about it. They made some updates to it. And we talked about, oh, it's got the trackpad, which not many people love, but now there's a trackpad and a touchscreen and voice control. So you, it's your yeah. choice. You can do whatever you want. But one of the things that they pointed out during that, during that pitch they made, and this isn't a sales pitch. This is, has to go with the complexity of making cars and a little bit to their quality. They're saying, oh, our, our paints, we had to put you know hundreds of hours into developing our paints because when their cars come together, the unibody and the doors are painted at one factory, and then the front bumper is painting at a completely different facility – and then the rear is painted someplace, a completely different facility. Then they all come together on a car. And even if it's the same paint, you're painting possibly in different environments, temperature and things like that. And, and they're like, how do you make the car match? How do you make it work? They're like, oh, it's not easy. It takes an incredible amount. If you paint it all in one factory at one time, it's going to look – pretty much the same but the thing is like you and i and, and you know we're at edmunds we're a real example of this we're going to be critical if the paints don't match and when you think of where, where people's level of expectation is yeah. is today and i had uh, breakfast with the guys from this and they was talking about the democratization of technology you get into a twenty thousand dollar car today you expect climate control or at least air conditioning you're going to expect you know potentially apple carplay and things like that yeah. you're going to expect good safety kit Possibly things like cruise control, basic levels of autonomy, and 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 that's the that's the norm now. And you go think about even going back twenty, even leaving aside inflation, twenty years ago, twenty thousand dollars. What did that get you? Ooh, got me a '93 so, Mustang Cobra in '93. Yeah. I think we're a little more than twenty years now. That car was twenty grand. Okay. It had it had air. Just a big lump of iron. Yeah. <laughs> it just it had air. Big lump of iron yeah. steel. <laughs> what were you driving in '93? Uh, ninety three, nothing. I was at school. <laughs> okay, I didn't feel like I was that much older than you, but it's all right. Um, but talking of it, we're talking about Etron. Uh, yeah, get, get Etron, because we have some interesting stats on this. This is kind of like the newest entry into the electric car market. It's been highly anticipated. It's Audi's play. We've seen Jaguar's I Pace, which I like. Yeah, I, I, I think I, like it. It, I think it looks good. I like the size. I think it's fast, and you know. 
but the, yeah, you're right. The e-tron is the first Mercedes coming in with the EQC, but the the e-tron is the first real alongside the Jag, which hasn't got a lot of traction. Sadly, it's it's really not selling that vehicle. It's a shame. But the e-tron is like the really big play. It's heavily. There's loads of advertising, particularly here in California. Um, and we got we went on the launch. We got one in last year. And we we put everything through our test track. How much do you think the e-tron weighs? Well, I mean, the electric vehicles we know are are, are going to be heavier, but there's and then there's this balance between how heavy is it versus how many miles you can get on the range. And uh, I, you know, I, let's say if it's the size of what, so it's kind of a Q8 size. So it's sort of think Range Rover Sport. It's that kind of size. Okay, so the Audi equivalent is what like. Porsche Cayenne size. It's it's, yeah. it's a full size. I don't SUV. know. I'm going to say seven or eight hundred pounds more than a Cayenne or than a Q7 or Q8. So what? Three and a half, four. Maybe four. Maybe four. So, Forty five hundred. So, so this thing weighs five thousand eight hundred and forty four pounds. <laughs> now, to give you a sense of context, the our Ram fifteen hundred, which we we have in a long term, which is quite a high specification Ram, so it's got lots yeah, of kit yeah. on it. Is five thousand five hundred fifty four. So it's three over three hundred pounds, or just under three hundred pounds, heavier than a Ram fifteen hundred. And this is because it's got big batteries and a lot of the cooling systems to cool the batteries, which is really interesting technology, um, and gets away with some of the concerns about electric cars. But just the sheer weight of this thing, the it's mass of it is, is is incredible. And okay, we, so but so tell me, if it's fifty eight hundred pounds, is it? What does it do well with 5,800 pounds? Does it have incredibly good range? Is it incredibly fast? Is it faster than a Tesla? And does it go 500 miles on a charge? Like what – why does it have to weigh 5,800 pounds? What's the benefit to the consumer? The big issue is to do with – Except for driving through buildings. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean – or crashing because actually if you yeah. hit something, you're just going to keep going. That's right. You're just um, going to keep going. It's like a tank. The biggest thing um, is – how fast it can – there's some really interesting technology on how fast it can charge because one of the the things is not just about the charger. It's about the vehicle that you attach it to and this is what a lot of people don't understand at the moment is you can build fast chargers but the vehicle needs to be able to accept a lot of current coming in and all of the heat and everything else, the energy that go, that goes with it. Okay. So there's a lot of clever tech around the charging. There's also a lot of clever tech around um, the cooling uh, the cooling systems for the batteries and everything else. And cooling – it's more temperature control. It needs to stay cool when it's hot and then stay warm when it's Yeah, when it's to managing cold. you're basically like, managing this ecosystem. And it's it's fluid, right? It's almost yeah. like a coolant based system. So it's almost like the radiator in your car, the coolant in your car, but it's it's keeping the battery at its optimal temperature. And actually what was interesting, when we ran a series of acceleration tests, normally with electric vehicles, after you run a series of them, they start to deteriorate a little bit because everything cooks. With the Audi, that didn't happen. I mean, we ran zero to sixty in five and a half seconds, which is not as fast as the Teslas, but yeah, still five and a half seconds. Yeah, I mean, how much faster do you need yeah. to go? Do we know what the iPace did? Because that felt fast to me. I don't know off the top of my head, but I want I want to say it's a little faster. I haven't got the figures yeah. in front of me. I want to say probably look at it, but I want to say it's a little faster. But quarter mile fourteen point one. Um, it doesn't because the batteries are so low in the chassis. You know, you kind of hide a lot of the mass because the yeah, because yeah. the weight is the center of gravity is so low. But you know, this is a it's Does a it's it a stop. It's a big lump of car. I uh, hope so because it's fifty eight hundred pounds. Sixty to zero in one hundred and twenty eight feet. Well, uh, I've like got the the Ram fifteen hundred here is one thirty two feet. So, oh, so yeah, a Ram. That's just um, and that's an empty Ram. 
That's an empty ram, yeah. Versus an empty e-tron. Yeah. I've even got the lateral G here. Point, yeah. Point 0.87, which is, which is on a point versus point 0.78 for, 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 for ram. I was just comparing the two just because I couldn't believe that it weighed more than a pickup truck. Yeah, and it's and quicker than a handle pickup, pickup truck. Yeah, and it's it's... It's interesting as this technology evolves where all this – it'd be interesting then also because a lot of technology share going into the Taycan as well. And I think the Taycan is going to be a really heavy car. So, yeah, it's But, it's, but they're going to go after times. performance and low center of gravity and less room and less functionality. And the other thing, we, we started to, to look at testing efficiency. So you sort of see this on, on Moroni's and stuff, but not many people pay attention to it. They just plug the car in and, and don't really think about how much juice you're actually using because it's not like filling up at the pump and then handing over your credit card. The, the psychology is different. But we're starting to test actual efficiency. So like miles per gallon, how efficient is this electric car? And that's to do with you know, the technology, the aero, the mass, all these things come into it. Um, For the car itself, but also charging the car is another issue. All this power's got to come yeah. from somewhere, right? So exactly. You you know you plug in a neutron. What does it take to charge that versus an iPace or a Tesla or whatever? Like how much how much power is it using? Or and there's probably other other factors uh, as well. I mean, and there is a real cost behind this. And what we've shown is the iPace is pretty thirsty in traditional speak. Yeah, uh, Teslas tend to be compared compared to. Um, other stuff like think you know smaller vehicles like and and smaller vehicles like the Kona electric and things like that and so measuring this is going to be an important thing going forward because sooner or later people are going to start saying well hang on this electricity is costing me a fortune in the same way that we look at gasoline and say yeah. we're getting 10 mpg or 30 mpg and it's going to become more and more important as electric cars become become more and more popular but okay so what's what's the verdict on the e-tron right now you guys are putting it through the paces you're driving it a little bit i mean you could take it to the test track you get all the numbers and that's great we love all those numbers you guys are fantastic at the testing but once that initial testing is done now it's you and a bunch of your crew over there are driving it to see what they think well we're actually have a we actually have a, a video launching uh next week i believe it is it'll be um we'll share it on on social um, when it when it, when it comes out, so we're we're, we're going to give you the full full round of what we think of the e-tron. Okay, I mean we, we I mean the the, the upshot is we like contender. it we like it as a vehicle. I mean it's not cheap; it's like eighty thousand bucks, but yeah. it's uh I, don't know, I feel like everything's expensive thing. now. Yeah. just everything's expensive. And then you look at the lease rates, yeah. and if you're buying an electric car, this is the other thing is about you always change the mentality of how you approach it. We would always recommend at the moment lease an electric car. If you go down the electric route, don't buy it; lease it because the technology is moving so quickly. Right. Get a two, get a three year lease on it, end of three years, chop it in because the next generation will just be be that right. Much Trade it in and get something, and then are, are we? When do we start get concerned on you know the longevity of the battery, the half life of the battery? I mean, I mean, we're, we're not even talking about a used market yet. But when do we start looking at a used market? When are we going to sit here and have a conversation and say, hey, buy a three year old Tesla, or don't buy a three year old Tesla, or you know, at some point, the e-tron and the iPace. Like we don't know what the e-tron and the iPace are going to be three years from now or five years from now. But we're starting to see it. With you can get, you can pick up used electric vehicles pretty cheap. You look at le- things like Nissan Leafs, uh, BMW i3s. There's the, the vehicles have been around a little bit. The residual values are not good, and that's another reason sometimes to um, to lease them. Fiat 500Es. You remember that little thing yeah, that you know yeah, you yeah. can pick those up for next to nothing. So don't get hit by an e-tron. Yeah, I don't get hit by an each one of those. So, one of those. Talk about a fire. <laughs> yeah, that's like getting hit by Bill. Yeah, jeez. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting market, how all this plays out and what, what is the value of I was talking to somebody who needs to replace the batteries on their model Tesla Model S. It's outside of warranty and it's a $20,000 bill. So, which kind of makes sense, $80,000 yeah. car, $20,000 of that is batteries. But, you know, if you're in the used market, yeah, it, it's like it's like the equivalent of a, of a $10,000 Boxster. Anything significant goes wrong, junk it. Are we starting to look at how much of these cars are recyclable? Like, what are we going to do with a bunch of Teslas? With all, yeah, and with all the lithium and, and, and everything else. I mean, there was talk of recycling the batteries for other uses and everything, but there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. The, the only thing I would say is this. The market is still only just over one percent nationally, so right. this is not you know this is not in California. It's about four percent, but it's not going anywhere. People talk about one percent as being a tipping point. You know this is this is as more people enter the market, Mercedes, Audi, Porsche, everybody's coming into the market. Ford is going to come in next year with an electric SUV, uh, with uh, sort of inspired by the Mustang. They say so. This is this is only going to increase, and autonomy comes in as well. The car market in ten years' time is going to be a very very different place. But it's yeah. exciting as well. I mean, we, it, it is exciting. I like I like these options are out there, and and maybe, you know, maybe there's other companies other than the vehicle manufacturers that are starting to consider these questions. The you know where do batteries go, and what do we how do we recycle them, and what do we do, and you know we're, you know, but there's no perfect solution. There's no perfect solution to anything. Like we've got batteries, we got to charge them. Where's that power coming from? Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be made somewhere. And then where are the batteries going to go? It's just like you know. And also, we still look at where does the gasoline come from? Where does the oil come from? Yeah, that's the thing. But there's no perfect solution. Uh, you know, but does in, in 50 years from now is 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 the Barrett Jackson auction going to be a bunch of classic Teslas? I'm like I, I I don't know. I don't know what the future of if we're, yeah, I, it's it's a strange. I mean, right now I'd be putting my money into something analog. Well, I have put my money into something analog, <laughs> yeah, and then an electric car. So, uh, my two personal cars at the moment are a Porsche nine nine three, which is my pride and joy, yeah, and uh, uh, and then the uh, my other half has a has a BMW i three, which she commutes, and yeah. so she gets into the carpool lane and everything else, and it, and it really works for her, and and we love it. And she said to me the other day, the lease is due up next March, and she said, I'm. I don't want to go back to gassing. I don't want to stand at a, at a at a pump and every week. I don't want to go through the hassle. And she comes home every night and she commutes about eighty miles a day when when she's not on maternity leave and <laughs> plugs the car in like she does her phone. Yeah. And next morning it's charged and it's just a very easy process. And we talk about charging infrastructures and electrify America and, and all this is coming. But the reality is, if you've got a garage and a and a plug and you're actually incentivized to install these things anyway. It's like your phone. You come home, plug it in. Next morning, fully charged. Never even think about range and stuff. You have a Porsche 993 and a BMW i3. Yeah, yin and yang. I thought, didn't you just go on Gooding a Morning America and talk about the family car? <laughs> well, the Porsche's got the i3. Actually, is great. I, I, it was in. I mean, the so- baby's so new that you're like you could put her in your pocket. It, but <laughs> it was in for service, and actually, the i3 is great. If anybody out there has never driven one of these, it looks tiny. Yeah, but there is more room inside. We we had to go in for service, and they lent us a, an X3, and I've had them through work as well. There's less room in an X3 with a rear-facing child seat than there is in the i3. The i3 actually is a really good family vehicle. The 993, at the moment, rear-facing child seat, bit of a challenge. Yeah. But you can get, as soon as she's big enough and old enough, for, which is only about a year away, for, for a forward-facing child seat, you can you can get in proper seatbelts. She's going to go. You know, she will be. She, daddy and daughter will be, uh, and and mummy will be uh, 
coming out. Oh, Mamo, I should say, because she's French. But we'll be uh, she's French. We'll be we'll be we'll be going off on uh, on, on a little driving on little And also, you can even get sorry. I, I'm a really so you're like this is so much better than the Trackhawk. It's so, yeah. that was so bumpy. Like, how is the nine nine three better? And you can even get you can even get little strollers that are like going to. There's like one that has a world record for how small it will go. Yeah. I've been eyeing these up so they'll go in the trunk. So you can, you know um, okay. I want I want to enjoy these things together. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Everybody's telling me I'm talking nonsense. I'm going to learn. I, I hope that I hope your daughter grows up with a 993 in the garage the whole time. I do. I have this idea of kind of bequeathing it on like a 21st birthday or something. And yeah, then, you say that it's never going to happen, but yeah, keep it. True. But keep it. Right. Yeah. Figure out a way to. I don't know. Make more money. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to to get the Odyssey or the Telluride and keep the 993. I think we'll be chopping the i3 yeah. in for something more sensible. Right. Because eventually the girl's going to be like, she needs braces and there's maybe private school because you're in LA. I mean, they also with work, I mean, I should say the, the, the 993 is, a, I'm very, very spoiled and very privileged to have that as a, as a toy. I mean, with work, I literally have a different car every day. Yeah. Uh, and that's everything from uh, across the market. So that's generally because. It's a big part of the testing process is just actually living with vehicles. And that's why we have a long-term test fleet as well. It's, it's just living with vehicles day in, day out, commuting in them, you know, connecting your phone up every day, sitting in traffic. That's a, you know, we talk a lot about figures and herring around test tracks, but to be honest, most of our work, and Jackie Stewart used to talk about this. So Jackie Stewart, who's, who's just, a, you, you know, you can tell a car at five miles an hour. You can tell, you can tell probably 80% of a car in, within, you know, go, sitting in traffic yeah. at 10 miles an hour. Yeah. All right, you got a huge long-term fleet. Hopefully, that fleet has Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You guys drop off dry cleaning and pick up some milk, baby formula, diapers. Now you can add save hundreds of dollars to that car to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you uh, need some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding you can do today. Go to Geico.com. Alistair, always I love a pleasure. your segues into <laughs> it. That's half the time I don't even realize we're in an ad break. Yeah, yeah. No, we're doing an ad break. We're doing an ad break. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. It's always a pleasure. Good to have you back. And uh, we're going to... We're going to do our best to have you come in uh, once a month like we were doing before. But uh, I think you're heading out on a trip. Is it a uh, work I'm, trip? Family trip? Uh, it's, it's actually a family trip. I'm heading back to Europe for, for a little bit of July. But uh, I'll be around, Matt. I'll be around. Good. Are you going to hit up any events while you're there? Is there a I actually land at the same time track? that the Goodwood Festival of Speed is on. Oh. But I, I think um, I'm not, I'm not going to make it down. I think I need. There's a bunch of people I need to to, to see in London. I'm on, I'm they on can a, meet you in Chichester. I, I'm on a royal baby tour. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You got to go bring the baby around to show. I borrowed everybody. a big Volvo, and I'm on a big. I'm on a. Uh, we're going to try out a Volvo while we're over there. That we that that we need to have some time in. So. Uh, yeah, we're a little bit of work and pleasure there, but, but. which Volvo? Because I'm 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 gonna Volvo is not something we've ever tested here before for no particular reason. We just didn't really have the relationship, and and uh, somebody I knew in the car world moved over to Volvo and said, "Why don't you try Volvo?" And I said, "Sure." And they said, "Hey, we've got an S60." Yeah, we're getting an S, we're probably getting an S60 on our long term test fleet. This is actually a V90 cross country, which I love. It's a bit like the Audi All Road, so yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah. You take a wagon and then slightly raise it and give it a bit of uh, a little bit of cladding. So it's a kind of cross between a wagon and an SUV. And if you want something a bit, there's deals on them as well. If you want something a bit different, uh, I'm a big fan because everybody's got SUVs. But these things are kind of cool, super spacious, super practical, look a little bit different, really comfortable. 
And um, yeah, we have a, a V90 in the office at the morning, in, at the moment in brown, and nobody buys wagons. I never understand. Nobody buys wagons over here. But if you yeah. listen to this and want something a bit different that actually, you know, come back to sensible family car, cars that will work for your lifestyle, you know, V60 is the smaller one, V90 is the big one. Yeah, no, it's worth a it's worth a look. How do you how do you guys at Edmunds like Volvo as as a brand? Are they making good cars? They are. I think they've since they since they left the Ford ownership and are now owned by Chinese by by, by Geely and and same as Lotus now, same ownership as as Lotus, and they're on a, heading for a bit of a renaissance. I think what what I like about them is they're trying to be Volvo. I, I remember a few years ago going back to the original technical presentation for the XC90. And you you know what it's like. You go to these press and they stand up and they say, well, it's gonna ra- it went around the Nürburgring in three and a half minutes. And you yeah. sat there thinking, this is a family SUV. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they stood up and they said, what we're going to build is a good-looking, spe- safe, spacious, comfortable family SUV. Yeah. And it's just like, you know. That's and, and that's, that's, exact, that's, that's exactly what they've done. Okay. All right. We're going to wrap things up. What can we go look for at Edmunds.com? You mentioned a video. You've got an e-tron video coming out. Uh, we've got an e-tron video. We've got tons of stuff. We just got a piece on the new Mercedes GLB, the little SUV that went live yesterday. Diesel trucks is a big thing going live at the moment. Uh, reviews on every vehicle on sale and some great buying advice as well. And you can look to, to see the kind of price that you should be paying with because we offer, you know, we give you an idea what, what, what kind of price you should be paying. So there's tons of stuff the, to investigate. And for all the quick news to catch up on what's going on, we go to edmunds.com slash roadnoise. Uh, slash roadnoise for the editorial. Just head to edmunds.com. It's all there for you. Great. And I want to say you guys are doing something with the Blazer coming out. I want to get into that at some point because I, think I ne- can't. Yeah, next time we're on, we've got a little yeah. thing coming up with a blazer and a passport, and I'd love to tell you about that next time. Right, because I kind of like the look. It's like a it's like a, a swollen Camaro. That's the idea. We've got the RS one as well, and this this idea is almost for like the, the, the guy who wants a Camaro but has now, yeah. you know, you might be getting where the story's going for me with this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I want it to be good. I don't know if it's good yet, so we'll find out next time you come in. Um uh, thanks again for coming in, guys. Check out uh, check out Alistair. You're on Twitter. Ask Alistair Weaver. A L I S T A I R W E A V R. Nobody can ever spell it. Or Weavometer, just because nobody can spell my name, which I know you enjoy. On Instagram, I love this one. Weavometer. <laughs> I keep saying Weavometer. <laughs> I don't know why I like it that way. Go to Weavometer on Instagram. You can follow him there. Check that out. And of course, go to Edmonds.com. You can follow Edmonds on Twitter, Instagram, social media. They're everywhere. And go to Edmonds.com slash road noise to get all the good quick editorial stuff. Um, uh, follow Goldberg. Hopefully he's going to, he's going to, I know he's got car stuff up there, but maybe he's going to tell you a little bit about the hole in his head that he got stitched up. Poor guy. Go to uh, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter, Goldberg95, Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. You can find everything there. You can find me at Motorator. Uh, Guys, thank you so much, and uh, we've got more show for you coming out this week. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.